Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Tuesday, Law and Gospel, on this April the 27th in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with Pastor Mark Smith, we're going to be taking a look at the hymn, At the Lamb's High Feast We Sing. It didn't take very long to find out information about the author because they don't know who wrote it. No. In fact, the earliest that the hymn is found is in 1734 in a hymnal. But we still don't know who the author was, so we do have those who translated it. It's a hymn reflecting the ancient Christian observance uh, when catechumens were put into confirmation. After a period of being taught, they joined the church in the waning darkness of Easter dawn. They were first baptized. They were clothed with clean white garments, representing their newfound righteousness in Christ, and were ushered in the earliest hours of the morning to the assembly of believers, and they received the Eucharist. The Easter Vigil, restored through 20th century liturgical reforms, is the modern parallel to this service and retains many of the ancient ceremonies. So, Pastor Mark Smith, have you ever done an Eastern Easter Vigil? No, I haven't. I've been tempted to, but boy, those things, uh, those things are pretty extensive. They're, uh, they're pretty lengthy and, uh, it's, uh, it's a different type of service. How are they expensive? No, not expensive. Extensive. The, the, oh, extensive. The, the readings, there's a lot of readings and they're pretty long. Yes. Uh, in fact, I did one at one of the congregations I was at. It occurred on a Saturday night, and you are correct. There were a number of readings and hymns, no sermon, which was interesting. Yeah, I've heard it compared to kind of a reverse, a kind of a reverse, uh, a reverse tenebrae, perhaps. You start outside the church, outside the sanctuary. That's right, with a fire. You, when you carry you carry candles into the sanctuary. Yes, and and uh, it's dark in the sanctuary when you get there, and then you, there's all this candlelight. Right. Well said. Yeah, that's what we did. They had a, actually a little wood fire uh, outside where the congregation met, and then they lit the candles, walked into the church, and we had the service. And you're right; it was about an hour in length, but it had all been written out by a previous pastor, so I didn't have any trouble going through it. And there was a pretty good crowd there. And and that's why when we say, you know, when do Christians, when can they worship? It's not just on Sunday. In fact, Wednesdays is Advent or Lent, Thursdays, Monday, Thursday, you have Good Friday. A lot of congregations have a Saturday service or a Monday service and then Sunday. But the only day I don't know of a Congregation having regular services is Tuesday. Yeah. But all the rest of the days, for sure. So, without further ado, uh, this is a Lord's Supper hymn also. 
So right. this Sunday, we're going to be singing it during the Lord's Supper. Uh, if you would read the first stanza, please. It's a beautiful hymn, yes. At the Lamb's high feast we sing, praise to our victorious King, who has washed us in the tide, flowing from his pierced side. Alleluia. Now, this has got an alleluia at the end of every verse. I know there was another hymn that you didn't like it too much because it had too many alleluias. Not this one. This is great. I love this yes. hymn. Yes. No, this is and, a and you, well-written and you, hymn. And, and you're right. It can be, uh, you know, it's not just an Easter hymn. It can be done anytime. Uh, distribution hymn is, is a good use for it throughout exactly. the year. Exactly. Well said. So, at the Lamb's High Feast, what's the High Feast? I would say it's talking about the Lord's Supper. Yes, yes, because that's going to be the great feast we're going to have in heaven forever and ever. And we give praise to our victorious king. Why is he victorious? Because he's conquered sin, death, and hell by his suffering and death on the cross. In fact, that's what it just says. Who has washed us in the tide flowing from his pierced side? We, we've got another verse in the Bible that our garments, when they're dipped in the blood of Christ, are white. Yes. Which refers to purity and goodness. Yeah, well, I think the line is, wash your robes and make them white. You shall walk with God in light. Well said. Yeah. All right, I'll read stanza two. Praise we him whose love divine gives his sacred blood for wine gives his body for the feast, Christ the victim, Christ the priest. Hallelujah. Now, that's pretty obvious what that's talking about. Yes, uh, Christ is not only, you know, he's, the, he's, the, he's our e eternal priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's always at the, the Father's right hand uh, uh, petitioning him in our behalf. He's not only the priest, but he's also the victim. He's he, he's the victim, made the victim on the cross for our, for our uh, salvation, and he provides the feast for us, his body and his blood. I always think of that one that one Reformation era painting, and I I'm recalling it from memory. But I think Luther is in his pulpit preaching, and pictured yes. behind him is the crucifixion, and from and from Christ's side, his blood is flowing right into the chalice. Somebody's holding the chalice. Have you ever seen exactly. that picture? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, well-known well picture, for sure. Yeah. I had an interesting question from one of my members last week. When he was in confirmation, he said, and he's an older gentleman, so some years ago, uh, he had asked the question, when a Roman Catholic priest uh, drops some of the liquid, say, on well, the wood where the people are kneeling to receive the Lord's Supper, do they consider it that he's dropping wine or blood? I would say they consider it blood. Yes. In fact, Luther did that once, and after the service, he took a knife on that part of the wood and cut it out because of their belief in transubstantiation. And the thing that finally got him in agreeing with me, I said, you know, there is no doctrine that I know of in Roman Catholic theology that once 
they believe it becomes the blood of Christ, that there is a way to reverse that, to change it back into wine. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that is true. But we believe that the bread does not change, the wine does not change, but in, with, and under, there is the body and blood given to us. Yeah. Uh, I think Martin Chemnitz always used the uh, the illustration of the burning bush. You know, God didn't turn into a bush. He didn't turn into a fire. But in that burning bush, uh, he, he spoke. Uh, in fact, it was the angel of the Lord, uh, Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, spoke from out of the midst of that burning bush to Moses. And, and exactly. I, use that, I use that often to illustrate uh, what we mean by the real presence of Christ's body and blood in the, in the Holy Supper, in the bread and wine. This happens a number of times in the Bible, because remember when they were going through the wilderness, God was in a cloud during the day, and right. he was in a pillar of fire at night. Right. But God is not a cloud or a pillar of fire, but he was in with and under. That's and right. Can you think of a New Testament example? Hmm. The baptism of Jesus. Oh, okay, yes. Uh, the the voice out of the heavens, being God the Father, and right. uh, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. Yes. And, of course, then you've got Jesus in the right water. there. Yeah. But we're not going to say that the Holy Spirit is a bird with feathers. No, it says it's like a dove. Yes. And he sent it into Jesus, for sure. Mm -hmm. All right. Stanza three, please. Where the paschal blood is poured, death's dread angel sheathes the sword. Israel's host triumphant go through the wave that drowns the foe. Alleluia. That's a, that's a great verse, boy. I really like that line where it says, where the paschal blood is poured, death's dread angel sheathes the sword. That's, uh, you know, that's visions of the destructive angel passing over uh, the, the blood on the uh, doorpost and littles during the Passover, you know, the Passover plague. And the, the idea of the angel, death's dread angel, sheaths his sword. He will, you know, if you have the blood on the door, uh, the, the angel of death passes over your household. And then you've got right after that, you've got, uh, you've got visions of Israel, the children of Israel passing through the Red Sea. Yes. Now, this is important to remember. There's words here that children wouldn't understand. What does Paschal mean? Well, I, I, I would use that as a Passover. Yes, that's right. Another word He's for Passover. Passover lamb. He is, Jesus is the Passover lamb, he's the lamb of God that supersedes and replaces all the other Passover lambs. But just as the, la the blood over the doorway in Egypt made the angel sheathe the sword, so also the blood of Jesus, uh, death's dread angel sheathes the sword. Now that's another word. What does sheath mean? Well, uh, the the sword is placed back into the sheath. It's in other words, the, death has no power over us now. His his sword his sword is uh, put back in the in the sheath. We we don't have to fear death any longer. What is the sheath? Sheath is the holder of the sword. 
Yes. It's the, I think another name is scabbard, where the sword is put into the sheath or the scabbard so that it won't cut anymore. Exactly. Yeah, when you see a movie where they're going to be fighting with swords, they draw it out of the sheath right. and begin their fight. And then when it's over, they put it back in. So um, this is, why is this Red Sea and uh, all this Israel stuff brought up? Well, you know, it's interesting. Once every three years, uh, the Old Testament on Easter, the Old Testament reading is the uh, crossing of the sea. It's the, actually the Song of Moses. Once every yes. three years, we read that in connection with Easter. It, by the early, the early church always saw uh, the Red Sea crossing as being, uh, as being a, a foreshadowing of our Easter victory with Christ's resurrection. Yeah, the other answer I would give is it was over the Passover meal where Jesus gave his body and blood to the disciples. Right, right. And remember what they did at the Passover meal, they would recount what happened in Egypt. Yes, right. And also there's baptism in there too, of course. Just as the the children of Israel were saved through the washing of the water of the Red Sea, so are we saved by baptism. In fact, you could you could also say baptism is for us like the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and littles for the children of Israel. No, that's a very good point. Uh, which means that's why we baptize even infants, right? Because infants also were brought through the Red Sea. You didn't yes. have to wait until they made a choice. That's like right. A lot of people think, yeah. That's, oh, that's... Infant, infant baptism is very important. I, I always urge the people get the child baptized as soon as possible. All right, I'll do four. Praise we Christ, whose blood was shed, Paschal victim, Paschal bread, with sincerity and love, that eat we manna from above. Hallelujah. Now, this hymn really makes the Israel experience very close to the Lord's Supper. Right. Because they refer to the bread that we receive as manna from above. Right. Absolutely. You bet. The heavenly manna. In fact, In a sense, that's what the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000 were about, because Jesus gave them bread, and miraculously, from just a few loaves and some fish, uh, they received that bread. Right. So that was really, really good news. All right, anything else on that particular verse? Well, again, you have that Paschal, that term Paschal victim, uh, the Passover victim again, and Passover bread. Yes, and uh, we we eat and the manna from above. That's, That's right. heavenly manna, the Lord's Supper. Right. All right, stanza five, please. Mighty victim from the sky, hails, hails, fierce powers beneath you lie. You have conquered in the fight. You have brought us life and light. Alleluia. Another beautiful verse. There's so many. Now, I find it interesting that he refers to Jesus as a victim from the sky. 
I'm, I'm trying to figure out what Bible verse that might be based on. Well, think of it this way. God sent forth his son. The, the, the redemption plan involved sending the apple of his eye, his precious son, uh, none other, to, to planet Earth. Uh, primarily, the ultimate purpose was to go to the cross. I mean, our sins, your sins, my sins, everybody's sins nailed Jesus to the cross. But it was ultimately, it was his own dear Heavenly Father that actually uh, that actually wanted this plan carried out in order to redeem the whole world, to have his very son, his, his son Jesus, becoming human flesh, and yet God at the same time, he's the only one that could fill the bill, so to speak. He's the only one that could... That whose blood had infinite value, he's the only one that could redeem the whole world by his death. And we know that from Daniel 7, where the Ancient of Days, God the Father, sends Jesus to the world. So mighty would refer to he's all-powerful. Right. Victim, he's going to be our victim to die for our sins and from the sky. So I think that first line probably refers, as you were saying, to the incarnation of Jesus. Yeah, well, he is, he's almighty. He never ceased to be almighty, but at the same time, he enters his state of humiliation, where he does not, he simply does not use his mightiness and his uh, almighty powers. But, but, he, but he never ceases to be God. Now, sometimes he does use his mighty power, like right. stilling the storm. Miracle. Uh, he's the one that says, peace be still. Right. So how do you understand hell's fierce powers beneath you lie? Well, let's see. I was reading a passage just the other day that talked about how um, I think it was uh, – I'm trying to think it was Joshua or somebody he had he had his men come forward and the uh the conquered people that Israel had conquered he had them uh he, he had his men place his foot on their necks and uh well there's also that passage that uh uh death is let's see death is made his footstool. Have I got that right? What, I don't recall you know what that one. But talking about. Well, uh, of course, when he comes again, there'll be no. You know, death will be conquered. Death is conquered already by his death on the cross. Um, Satan will be done away with completely, and uh, so those powers are placed beneath. I'm, I'm trying to think of that passage where. Um, well, Where that's all right. His, his, the his fact of the matter is, is hell is below heaven. Right. And a lot of times, Sheol is referred to as in the earth. Heaven, of course, would be freed from anything on the earth. And therefore, hell will be beneath the heaven right. that we will be living in. That's right. Death, death Satan, and hell are conquered. Placed Just beneath by him. Under him. his foot. Yes, just by him. That, that's the message of every sermon. All right. Uh, do six, please. Now, no more 
can death appall. Now no more the grave enthrall. You have opened paradise, and your saints in you shall rise. Alleluia. So what does it mean for those who appall death? Uh, no more can death appall us. No more can we, – we need not fear death anymore. I mean, it, it's, it's part of our old Adam to be fearful of death. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that right. if you fear death, you're not a believer. I'm not saying that at all. But, but really, when you consider what Christ has done for us, defeating yes. death and hell, no longer – he's taken the sting out of death. We really don't need to fear it. We cannot – as Christians, we cannot lose even sickness and death itself works out for our ultimate good. Now, in your ministry for many years, were there individuals that were enthralled by the grave? Oh, you know, uh, you have this still among your parishioners that they still, they're afraid to die. Uh, you know, you can have, you have elderly adults that are, well, you have elderly adults that are ready to die. They're, they're, they're praying every day the Lord would take them. But you've still got, you've still got a lot of members that are still, that still fear death. They fear the unknown. It's just, it's kind of a natural thing for us. It's, it's part of our old Adam. Well, this particular line isn't fearing the grave, but the grave enthralls them which makes them excited. And, and so the point I was trying to make was I've had shut-ins, and that's kind of what you were saying, mm -hmm. who are really looking forward to death because none of their close relatives are living anymore. They're alone in the house, right. hardly any visits and this. And now the grave will not enthrall them because as soon as they die, they're with Jesus and he has opened paradise to them. Why is the word paradise used? Well, paradise. What Bible is, verse does that remind you of? Well, this very day you'll be with me in paradise. He says that to the thief on the cross. Exactly. And we believe paradise is the interim time between right. when you're in heaven in the spirit and your body will rejoin. I'll do. Stanza seven, Easter triumph, Easter joy, this alone can sin destroy. From sin's power, Lord, set us free, newborn souls in you to be. Now, how would you explain that to a child? Easter triumph, Easter, this alone can sin destroy. Well, the joy of Easter, you know, Easter, Easter is the ultimate. I mean, uh, Yes, you can't you can't have faith and deny Easter. I mean, if you take Easter out of the picture, you've taken you've taken everything out of the picture. Uh, Easter How triumph does, alone destroys our sin because we know that He's conquered sin, death, and hell through Easter, His resurrection. So, what does it mean that sin is destroyed? Well, sin is uh, for us. Uh, uh, we're covered in the, the robe of righteousness that Jesus won for us by his death on the cross. From God's perspective, when he looks at us now through Christ's righteousness, he doesn't see a sinner. He sees a saint. So the way, I understand that, the way I understand sin is destroyed is sin carries a curse. Uh -huh. And that curse is what is being destroyed by Easter. Right. Right. All righty. That's another way of saying it, right. 
So I mean, we, if you... we daily sin much. We daily sin much, and indeed there's nothing from punish, than punishment. But we, you and I know we sin every day. But from God's perspective, and that's what's ultimately important, God looks at us through Christ's righteousness, and he doesn't see our sin. Our sin is washed away. And where does uh, baptism come in here? Well, it's right there. The robe of righteousness is bestowed upon us through holy baptism. No, no, no. In the verse. In the verse? Newborn souls in you yes. to be. Newborn souls. Born by and water and the Spirit. Well said. All right. Read the last stanza, please. And that's a doxological verse. Father, who the crown shall give, Savior, by whose death we live. Spirit, guide through all our days. Three in one, your name we praise. Alleluia. I've got a question for you on this, on the first line. Go. Father, who the crown shall give. Who's he given the crown to? His son or to you and me? Well, we received the crown. There's no doubt about it. And that yeah. was by the will of the Father through the Savior. Right. So I don't see that. You know, Jesus says, if you see me, you see the Father. Right, I and right. the Father okay. are one. All right. Okay. Thanks so much for listening. At the Lamb's High Feast, we sing. Uh, we're back now. There's no share this week, so we'll be with you again uh, tomorrow on Wednesday's Law and Gospel. And on Friday is open mic, so if you want to send me an email with a question, don't hesitate to do so. Tom Baker, Mark Smith, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.